Is it his home alone moment? It's his home alone. Oh my God. Yeah, it is his home alone moment. But he literally was imagining Elon as president. Oh my God. Um, well, look, you, you've said it now. <laughs> well, people who listen to our podcast in the beginning, they'll get to this one at that point. Um, <laughs> Started during lockdown, needed something to do. They looked at each other. They said, hey, I like talking to you. And so from a garden shed in a box room in West London, they're discussing tech. It's the Small Time Bets podcast. That intro sounded a bit different this week. I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> for several reasons. Reason one, you usually drop the audio in after the recordings have happened. So that was just, <laughs> that was just you telling me that you've pressed record. Reason two, we've never mentioned anything I thought the game of the scene was that we don't mention anything to do with any of that stuff. Well, either way, I quite like it. It's really good. Good adjustment to the jingle. You're probably talking about the jiggle. I haven't heard that for a while. So, what's going on? Well, there's been a lot going on. I don't think I don't think we can cover it all. I need to tell you about a bad experience with Amazon. Okay. Amazon is literally known for being the most convenient best customer service that you can possibly have. But have you ever had a situation where they tell you that you need a one-time password to accept a delivery? I feel like this is a new thing that they're doing. So, I mean, that's just phishing. Because you're definitely at your address, right? So it's it's something you know and something you own. It's two-factor. It's where you are. and Something you know, something you have, and something you are. Um... It's, it's something they're bringing you and where you are. <laughs> That should be enough. So apparently it's not. So there's weirdly enough certain things, not everything, they require you to give a one-time password to the Amazon delivery driver. I thought, okay, that'll be fine. They sent me an email the day before saying, we will email you this one-time password and the delivery driver will ask you for it before they can give you the parcel. So I thought, okay, that's fair enough. Day of delivery comes, you get the lovely email saying an item is going to arrive. Don't know which one. And then you answer the door, got your item here. I was like, oh, great. Have you got the one-time password? Uh, no. Okay, let me check the app. Let me... He's like, have you checked your emails? I was like, yes. I'm literally looking at them. It's the last email I got from Amazon says they're going to send me a one-time password. He's like, oh, yeah, this sometimes happens. I was like, oh. But here's the Amazon app. I'll show you the order. That, that thing next to you, I bought it. It's mm. me. <laughs> He's like, oh, I need to key it into the, the device oh, yeah. to do it. Um, otherwise, I can't give it you. I was like, but but, but it's me. And I got, I got, got the app. Uh, and I live where you thought I'd live. So uh, <laughs> he's like, no, this sometimes happens. Um, what I'll do, I'll continue on my shift. And then maybe at the end of the day, I'll come back and see if it can drop it off. And I was like, this is madness. And he's like, I know, but I can't give it to you because otherwise I'll get told off for not keying the buttons in. So anyway, he goes away. I get in a fit of rage because it's weird. Amazon's given us this kind of like priming for such utter convenience that these weird micro interactions, they're so enraging that I was like, I saw the thing we ordered. He knows I'm the person who ordered it, but he can't because of some weird arbitrary thing they put in. So I contacted the support, managed to get through to someone, which is great. And they were saying, oh, 
that this is really weird. I'll put a note on the system saying that you don't need the one-time password because you've contacted us and he can come back. And you know, I thought that's great. Thank you, Amazon. That's really good. Try and get this sorted. I need it today because it was when we arrived on bank holiday. I thought that's a good time because it doesn't interrupt us. It didn't arrive that day. So then the next day, someone else is dropping it off, but they didn't have the note. So they were like, oh, they've got the one-time password. I was like, oh my God, but they put the note on the thing. So I'm like scrolling through. But fortunately, Amazon had sent me the email with the one-time password this time. Ah, so okay. you could get in, it worked. Right. So I got to have the thing that has just spent ages just driving around London and from depot to depot. And I did a bit of digging into why this happens. And apparently when something leaves the last mile depots for Amazon, the distribution centers essentially, unless the driver scans the code properly on the box when they're picking it up, it doesn't trigger the automated procedure to send you the one-time passcode. And so the whole thing breaks down. It's that one manual interaction that because there's so many parcels of things and they're throwing them in a, in a van and they don't scan the extra thing that triggers the one-time passcode, then it doesn't get created and you end up in this mess. So I'm un unbearably curious. What Are you going to tell us what it is? What is the thing? What is this? Are you going to tell me what it is? It's a printer. Okay. Is there any reason why that printer in particular or the fact of ordering a printer might trigger sort of special security measures? I don't, I don't see why. I've ordered more expensive things from Amazon. They've never had that. I've ordered bigger things from Amazon. They've never had that. Are printers a special thing nowadays? I guess they are. They're kind of rare, <laughs> but still. I don't know if this is a conspiracy theory or an urban myth, but I think HP used to um, embed tiny uh, sort of identifying characteristics into each printer that would allow you to identify which printer a particular printout had come from. I think you know, Snopes will soon put paid to whether that's real or not. Oh. Um, in any case, so did you did your trawl of the internet give you the impression that this is a system that often breaks down, or it's something that they're trialing and it's the early days, or it's it's fine and you're just an edge case? The first driver who said it happens to him quite a lot suggests that I'm not an edge case. Mm. And then I, the, the reason I know what the cause is is I contacted Amazon again and spoke to their customer service to be like, why is this happening? And they were like, oh, if they don't scan it at the depot, it doesn't trigger the automated email. So they can't push it. There's no other way for them to do it unless it's scanned correctly with the special extra label they have to scan to do the, the thing. It seems like a there's a root cause it's that's been identified. It's bizarre that you're being asked for two-factor authentication um, when, you're in, when you're in a place. <laughs> you're in, and you have the app and you have your face and you have your ID and all the other things that you could use. You know the part where you just one. said, it's me. You know, that's never defeated any identification system. Like you can't just repeat over and over again, it's me, but it's me. No, but if the, it's me on your face, is that it's me on your driver's license and the phone where it's me has the thing that is the person's holding. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's you me. You easily Photoshop that. Okay, yeah. so, well, if you were quick enough, as you saw the guy coming down. Mm. And print it on the printer that wasn't delivered. Right, so, um, listen, something massive happened on Monday. It was... Um, it sent me into a giddy tailspin and then I I got very excited and I bought an imaginary item. On Monday, the people who made CryptoPunks, Lava Labs, they released MeBits. MeBits are like 3D avatars of CryptoPunks. And what is this? It's the whole NFT thing again. There's 20,000 computer generated, randomly generated, sort of people i guess computery people that you can collect and 
a bit like CryptoPunks, which next week is going to be auctioned in, in Christie's, no less. Now we have more digital art. They're non-fungible tokens. You can buy them. And in a six-hour period on Monday, 20,000 of them, or more accurately, 9,000 subset of the 20,000 dropped. And they sold out in six hours. And it was a Dutch auction, so they were selling in price from, let's say, down from $8,500. And theoretically, it could have gone down in price to zero. But there was so much demand that they just hung in around the 8000 mark. Uh, $8,000 per piece. They all sold out in less than six hours. And so that's a thing that happened. And all of them sold for the same price or some? So initially to get them, you needed to either mint one for 2.4 Ether or be given one by demonstrating that you owned one of the previous things, like owning a CryptoPunk, for example. What's different this time around is that instead of necessarily having to go to OpenSea to trade or buy, the kind of mechanism of the MeBit includes within itself a platform that allows you to trade your MeBit for other MeBits and or trade two MeBits for one more valuable MeBit or trade a MeBit plus some Ether for a MeBit, etc. Okay. With no fees. So it actually contains within itself a trading platform with no fees. Ah, interesting. So so, so OpenSea doesn't necessarily get its, you know, it's it's 1.5% or whatever it is. I only got my head around CryptoPunks a few weeks ago when you ta- taught me about them. So CryptoPunks, essentially posted stamps, but digital format and a two-dimensional, however many pixels, 64 by 64 pixels or something silly, of a face. Me bit more than a face it's the whole body now the whole body yeah so... face head whole body and uh, ultimately although it wasn't available at launch there'll be a kind of avatar pack a digital pack with all of the t poses and the kind of lossless renders so that should game studios decide to allow you to use this as a skin or an avatar you'll be able to use your me bit in games oh wow okay yeah. wow so like Fortnite, but as your me bit. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's a three D. Looks like Minecraft when you sent a picture of it. Yeah, like a Minecraft humanoid. That's with right. Certain yeah. features. Okay. Yeah, and the features are like my me bit has curly auburn or ginger hair. Some of the me bits are wearing leggings, jeans, hoodies. Some of them have different facial hair, different hair color shoes some of them are aliens some of them are pigs some of them are robots (laughs) some of them are elephants and these are all sort of within those parameters there's some random variation and some things therefore are configured so i don't know quite whether to call it random but essentially this has been algorithmically generated according to certain rules and then as a result of that some things are very very rare so maybe hypothetically a rainbow hair colored a person who's shaved off the hair on one side of their face and is wearing urban boots and a tank top uh, might be quite rare. Might be quite a rare constellation of features and might go for more money. So the obvious question, have you considered trying to get hold of one of these rare Minecraft style characters? I mean, I kind of want to, I kind of want to find the page I was on to tell you which was the most expensive thing that happened recently. Okay, so me bit number eight five eight five nine eight within a day or two had already sold for over one point four three million dollars. Oh my god! The one I bought is a fairly, uh, fairly normal humanoid with curly auburn hair, 
wearing a green shirt, but it's me bit number 18600. And what I don't know is if the round numbers have <laughs> some kind of cachet with <laughs> with the CryptoPunk crowd. Okay, this is just... I was, I was listening to a podcast about Beanie Babies earlier, and it just makes me think, you know... But I, but I guess there was... I'm not going to defend this. There's some level of digital scarcity to this project, the same way no, it was so with this is what, so, Okay, so on this, right? We, in our lives, have to look at people, and then our brains are trained to identify relatively small differences and sort of fixate on them and identify people based on these differences, but also like note rarity and, and understand uh, what's what's kind of unusual and, and identify certain looks. And then there's a whole swathe of kind of assumptions about personality and so on that comes with those looks. So our brains are hardwired to do that. And if you combine that with the gotta catch them all style kind of collecting instinct, that is the Venn diagram where MeBits and CryptoPunk sit. It's the brain behavior of a collector who is also immersed in the daily task of looking at very, fairly similar things. Mm. And what's weird is I thought that it was really silly and that I should get on it for speculative reasons. And then when I bought one, I suddenly found myself looking at all the others and going, huh, oh yeah, this one's interesting. <laughs> I think that's how people become collectors of weird things. Um, so yeah, not... Well, congratulations. Thanks. I've made a terrible choice. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't look my family in the eye. So did you see that SpaceX launched, um, I don't know, a very big rocket? They landed it. Like, it landed. And when it lands, it looks really surreal. Like, I don't know, like it's fake. But... Well, both ways, both going up and both, going but, down. But yeah, it's, it's so, so slow. It's so, yeah, so no, slowly. It's... it's uncannily slow. It's like, oh, what? this shouldn't be hanging. An object that implausibly large should not be hanging in the air. You're used to seeing, at least if you've watched a lot of the big NASA launches, you're used to seeing that slow takeoff where it's like, it looks like it's not moving. And then before long, it's like flying into sky and breaks out the atmosphere. But the other way around is really weird. It's that <laughs> the kind of, I don't know. It feels like you're watching Iron Man or some sort of weird Avengers thing, but you're actually seeing this much, much bigger object kind of levitate. And then This time it didn't catch fire after it landed. It's so Elon's going to go on Saturday Night Live soon, isn't he? Is that tomorrow? As in, we're recording on Friday. Is that this weekend? That's tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm assuming, because they call it Saturday Night Live, that it's recorded live in front of a studio audience. So will he talk about which of the following subjects? Dogecoin, the SpaceX successful landing and his Mars ambitions, Bitcoin, Tesla, tunnels, 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 Neuralink. It's not going to be like that. Or is he going to be actually just sort of doing comedy sketches and skits? Is he going to be as himself or as a pot smoking techno king? Mm. Have you seen him act? He's, he's dismal. What has he been in? In Iron Man. No, I think you're confused. That's a s fictional story. Of... No, he had a cameo in Iron Man 2, I think, where he kind of met Tony Stark. What? And Tony was like, oh, Elon, blah, blah. have you not seen this? It's like his Hollywood debut. And it's... Is it his, is it his Home Alone moment? 
it's his home alone oh my god yeah it is his home alone moment but he literally just imagining elon as president oh my god um, well look you you've said it now <laughs> well people who listen to our podcast in the beginning they'll get to this one at that point um <laughs> the yeah i think he'll be acting in character but i can't help because i think he's gonna you. no 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 he's He's the first non-entertainer or non-comedian to be doing this type of thing. But they've picked the person with the least the least skill in this area. Like, Elon's got a lot of talent, Maybe he knowledge, could dance. everything. He does good I dancing. Don't, I mean, there's just certain things he's not gifted at, right? And um, dancing, public speaking, acting, all of these things, not, not his forte. I don't know. I have a feeling he'll name drop a few things that will make the headlines and probably tweet about them beforehand just because that's what he does. So... Um, yeah, we'll see. I think a lot of the, the Doge people are hoping that he'll send the price of, of Doge higher. More on that later. Have, speaking of Elon Musk and Iron Man and all that, have you seen like Iron Man from the Royal Navy this week? So I wasn't watching it. I was aware of it in the peripheral vision of my, my news sort of diet. No, I didn't click through because I'm just I'm just like, fine some people have done a thing but i watched it because you know you seem to be fascinated by it and uh yeah it, it looks cool so i saw something around oh it was mkbhd he's like retro tech about flying cars and he interviewed someone who was building essentially a giant human drone so just a bunch of helicopter propellers that you strap on and then you go flying and i thought oh, okay that's what the flying car will be it'll be this um strap a helicopter to your back but then I saw this one that the Royal Navy have done with Gravity. Um, Gravity's a company. And it was incredible. It's got like jets on his arms, on his backpack, is flying from a boat to a, another Navy vessel. And it's like flying like Iron Man, like actually piloting the same way Iron Man does in the films, but quite quickly under control over some significant distance and at some speed. Um, and then flies back and it's like that's quite impressive and i hadn't realized this even existed but apparently it's a 41 year old former oil trader who has built this suit at home and then had loads of funding attracted funding from elon musk the very same man so elon musk and tim draper invested six hundred fifty thousand dollars into this guy called richard browning's company which is gravity and it's funny, this all roads lead to Elon on the Iron Man route. But they're doing a lot of stuff with the military, they're doing it with emergency search and rescue, and even trying to do like racing stuff. Oh, you cool. know, when yeah, which is gonna be I don't know how that's gonna work. But I have a feeling it's gonna be one of those interesting things that once the consumer extreme sports people get hold of it, that'll be the crazy thing. It won't be wakeboarding, it'll be gravity suit flying somewhere. Yeah, it makes base jumping, well, it you know, longer. <laughs> it's, anyway, it's insane, and it's definitely worth watching the video, because... So there'll be a link, yeah, there'll be a link in the show notes. It is, it, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. It's clearly sort of training exercises rather than spin, although oh, it's yeah. incredible publicity. But is this the same guy who, I think about a year and a half ago, this is footage in his front sort of farmyard area where he had some press invited and he you know he was demonstrating himself so this is now it's gone quite quickly from basic prototype to and it runs on jet fuel or gasoline doesn't it 
so basically i think speed wise did i see it was sort of 35 or 40 miles an hour mm-hmm. but you you're not like using it to stay airborne for you know 30 no. minutes it's no. a short short you know, short burst kind of capacity is going to be what like max five minutes of flight time and i think the example because it was in the context of the royal navy was that you, you might use it to to board a, a ship that had been captured by pirates for example although in practice it's very loud um so you'd be very much advertising you know your arrival and then once you arrive you're kind of you know you're, you're right there uh you know full-on in profile with no real defenses and a heavy tank strapped to your back trying to attach uh, a rope to the side of the ship so that you've got desperately trying to get back up to to board and help you um there are applications for it and uh like you say sponsored by red bull is going to be one of them just uh re-watch iron man and then look at iron man 3 and to see how much it evolves <laughs> um there's some kind of um when you listen to the All In podcast, there's some kind of stuff that they're taking, and I'm not talking about red pills. They're talking about taking different meds to improve their mental sharpness, including MNMD and some other things that I've added to my my Amazon save for later list because they're so expensive. What is your preferred brain medication? <laughs> I haven't listened to the latest All In podcast, um, so I don't know what they're taking. MNMD is just the stock ticker, you know, for mind med. I don't think it's a type of drug. <laughs> but um, no, I was reading about mind med earlier and I was curious because they there's a lot of speculation around them at the moment, particularly because they're getting listed on the NASDAQ. Um, they were on, a, I don't know, a random fringe exchange before, but they're essentially in the market of regulated, you know, pharmaceutical psychedelic drugs. And their whole push is that there's a gap in the market where these type of drugs, which had previously been kind of not frowned upon, but pushed to the fringes because of like the 70s and hippies and just generally seen as being an alternative thing rather than like a, a an actual form of therapeutic use. But there's more use of them now in obviously treating depression, post-traumatic stress, anxiety disorders, some forms of mental illness, that they're, they're getting a lot of traction. And I was just wondering what your view on that was. So I made a small investment in the company that was making drinks that contain, I want to say CBD, is that right? Mm-hmm. So Central Business District. Um, so <laughs> then that company, which was Canadian, acquired a giant other company just this last week. Uh, it was called Aferia before. Aferia's now Tilray. It's, it's, I guess, doing doing well overall. Why did I think this was important? I don't know. There's a changing att- set of attitudes about th- the kind of uh, substances that include uh, CBD and kind of marijuana type stuff. It's finding its way into a variety of products, uh, sometimes medicinally, sometimes recreationally. And that's going to be, oh yeah, and a number of states have kind of legalized it. And in terms of electricity production for the energy sector, it's kind of a huge draw on the electricity grid, the um, the grow chambers and so on. So you know, clearly something's happening. And yeah, it's, it's one of those areas where, unlike tobacco or alcohol, 
the health impacts uh, certainly for CBD are not not egregious and you know that probably it's one of those ones where you you, you need to do more longer term studies on the impacts of marijuana but uh, there's a whole industry there and this is the beginning of it going proper proper mainstream in the world's biggest market the US so it seems important that's interesting i didn't know you invested in that but mind med are looking at things like LSD and psychedelics so not CBD oil and weirdly enough LSD it's just a, it's a completely lab created product anyway the guy who invented it i think went to jail at some point because they basically cracked down on this invention even though he was trying to study it and and do a lot of research around it they made it illegal to research so it's had a long time of just being on the fringes of society and various legal crackdowns but it's interesting now that the u.s is still in the crux of a seemingly endless opioid epidemic i read another thing that today that was saying that depression and anxiety is basically the next pandemic affecting everyone post-covid because of just an entire globe has been locked down for over a year and a lot of people are suffering from various different mental illnesses from that isolation so yeah maybe just the same way with you know marijuana it was illegal for so long on the war on drugs and now it's been opened up a lot of people are making a lot of money from it and when you get into a commercial setting it wouldn't surprise me if the next trend is regulated psychedelic recreational drugs and therapeutic drugs that get brought into the market it kind of brings in that whole in some ways regulation can pick the winners right when something's illegal it gets pushed to the fringes and it limits progress in that area but also marginalizes the people who are using it and then you suddenly make it legal and a lot of big pharmaceutical companies will get involved and make a lot of money from it so right and let's not forget where the opioid epidemic started um it was the farmers it was the pharmaceutical companies that were pushing these opioids on on the u.s market um yeah as a medication for for forms of chronic pain so a sort of manufactured industry and now the best way to treat that manufactured industry was with another manufactured industry anyway interesting right. discussion i've not invested in any of it i just thought it'd be worth discussing no definitely all right i, I was while you were talking i was looking up the uh, pont saint esprit uh, incident in 1951 to do with lsd all right uh amazing i, I think you know it's probably time for our non-sponsor of the week. It's our non-sponsor. So this week, our non-sponsor, in fact, I'll just describe what it is. It involves three of your favourite things. So it involves what three words? Helping the environment. And of course, buying land in unspoiled parts of England. <laughs> Do you remember last week I talked about... Uh, yeah, I remember. My fake coin was Wild yeah. Dow. Yeah. Um, where I'd said there was this decentralized coin and it would buy up parts of um, land to rewild. There's actually a charity doing that called Heal Rewilding. And what they're doing is exactly that, but through a charitable organization. Using what three words, which is those three by three squares that index the whole globe, where it's, you know, the three different words that you can pinpoint pretty accurately an exact parcel of land. You can donate money that gets used to buy up these little parcels. And when they reach their sort of critical mass for an area, they will buy a plot of land in England and just allow it to rewild completely. It's quite new as a charity. They haven't actually started doing, they haven't got to the point where they've got that critical mass to start buying up plots. But I thought it was really interesting as a concept 
because it kind of flies in the face of so many other environmental charities which are trying to get you to give up plastic stores or recycle more or whatever it is, donate to pay for people picking up or planting trees or whatever it might be. This is a very, very simple concept, but it's quite radically different. And I really, really liked it. So what's it called? It's called Heal. And if you go to healrewilding.org.uk, you can read about this really innovative method. And by using what three words, they can basically, you can sponsor a specific plot and you'll get, you know, the the plot when it gets bought. Uh, you could go visit it and be like, oh, I, I sponsored the rewilding of that plot. So what they do right, is so they... So you would buy three meter by three meter square. Mm-hmm. That's yours, but you're not allowed to build on it because the whole point was to let it go back to nature. You have well, no you've, real you've ownership rights. It. You don't, you don't own that. It. Oh, yeah, yeah, you charity. Don't own charity. Yeah, you've given money, own it. and that is right. And in the success case, sections, swathes of our of our nation will be covered in uh, wolves and bears, <laughs> and <laughs> and the land the land will be totally unusable because um, <laughs> it's kind of owned by a really like vehement uh, ideological landlord. Mm-hmm. That's that's where we're trying to get to. Well, you say swathes. I don't think it would be swathes. I think it'd be parts of England that are allowed to just be wild again and be part of nature, which I think would be quite good. And it safeguards it away from political transitions and changing of green belt rules and all of the other stuff that eats into how land is used. This is a simple way of doing stuff. It doesn't require everyone to go plant trees and, you know, count their carbon footprint in that way. Because wild patches of land sequester way more carbon anyway than just planting a tree. I think it's an interesting idea. I've donated for one plot, one three by three plot, which costs £20. And I think when they get enough critical mass, it'll be interesting because I'll find out what my three words are. Mm. I I like the fact that... Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. I prefer it if okay. So then you'll have it assigned to you. I I, I like the fact that because of that three what three word layer, there's some accountability. Mm. Essentially, exactly. you'll you'll be told yours is this, and uh, presumably no one else. You know, when you when you start tweeting about it, hopefully no one else pipes up and says this is also mine. Yeah, um, exactly. And thereby, you know, you can see where the money's going. This is great, really good. Well. They're our non-sponsor for this week. There isn't a code. We'll put the website in the show notes. Feel free to check it out and see what you think. Well, thank you to Heal Rewilding, our non-sponsor this week. So I think it's now time for This Week in Crypto. This Week in Crypto. And can we start just with your weather forecast on the situation with Bitcoin? That's always entertaining. I've got reasons for wanting Bitcoin to go down a little bit, but what it is doing is just going sideways. It's going sideways, just up and down, and it dipped down to a low of 53k on the 4th of May. But other than that, it's mostly hung in around the 56 to 58 mark, uh, reaching a high of 59 at one point on the 3rd. So what will happen? Well, there were times when it nearly crept up on some exchanges to the magical number of 59k at which point it will break out and start doing doing more sort of uh, bull run type things but uh, as it stands i think we're set for 
more sideways movement and not volatility because this is just some oscillation in that band that you've seen it roll about in so far. You know what's really weird? It's been hovering between kind of 45k to 60k for over 75 days now. But 75 days to basically just be kind of going sideways is pretty incredible. It's a sign that there's obviously a lot of people willing to buy Bitcoin at at very high prices, like 45 to 50k a few months ago would have been laughable, whereas now it's pretty acceptable. I think that's a really good sign. Um, Can I throw some curveballs at you and see how you react? Go for it. Uh, there's two things on the horizon. One is a London update for Ethereum, which I think is coming in in about June or July. And the other is Taproot for Bitcoin, which I don't know when that's coming in. What could we expect from both? Taproot's interesting because it, the miners are already signaling for that to go into effect. And I think it needs to go 60% or something, 60, 70% of miners so need to signal it's for ready it to, to go deploy, into effect. But the whole network needs to approve. Yeah. The majority of the network needs to approve. Exactly. We, it would get quorum at a certain number, and then it would then it would straight away um, roll out. It would. I don't think it will. It's a big long term development in t- in the space for Bitcoin, but I don't think short term it actually has much relevance because it once miners adopt it, that's one thing. But what Taproot does, it enables some level of obfuscation of smart contract functionality on Bitcoin. So firstly, it enables certain smart contracts to run on Bitcoin, and then it allows those to be obfuscated through these pay-to-taproot addresses, essentially, that get created on the Bitcoin network. Until you have enough people using those new addresses, like it's not going to enhance privacy. I'm not hearing any impact on price. That's what I'm not hearing. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about... um... Let's talk about London update in Ethereum. So Ethereum has been on absolute tear and no one's really noticing or talking about it. They're just sort of, oh, I mean, what what did Ethereum do today? This week it went from 2.8k up to 3.5k and pretty much no one's said anything about that. But as we come towards the summer, the London update should launch. So we're kind of in a standoff, aren't we, right now? You've got Binance Smart Chain that crept in and stole the march in terms of 5x volume on DEXs by having much lower gas fees. And then all the while, people have been saying, Vitaly, Vitaly, when are you going to fix all of these issues around congestion and high gas prices? And, you know, that volume has some volume has gone elsewhere. Um, some developer activity has gone elsewhere. But meanwhile, Ethereum kind of holds its course and in the summer, London update will, will arrive. What would that mean? So with London update, you get EIP 1559. That's the Deflation pretty major. Yeah, it's the upgrade that means that transaction fees are burned, which could make it deflationary with enough volume. Other news in Ethereum, Vitalik Buterin is now the world's youngest crypto billionaire. At 27 with Ethereum's new all-time high price. But there's, so here's some interesting facts about Ethereum that I kind of have had to create. I've had to work them out. But Ethereum is 23% of Amazon by market cap. Vitalik, whilst being a billionaire, is a 0.5% of a Jeff Bezos, Hmm. which puts it into perspective. If he had retained the same proportion of essentially voting rights, for Ethereum, as Jeff did for Amazon, he would have a cool $50 billion. So I think it's important to appreciate whilst Vitalik, one of the 
key founders and creator of Ethereum, crypto still has a reputation for being quite equitable in terms of wealth distribution versus the conventional venture capital um, shareholder I didn't, wealth. didn't understand your point around voting rights. Um, just in terms of how much proportion of the market cap is owned by each, right? So if you think about it, Vitalik has a much smaller proportion of Ethereum than Jeff Bezos, mainly because he's given a lot away, doesn't hold a lot, and didn't get access to just all of it from the beginning that then he could sell off because it's obviously distributed through mining. So I think it's important to just recognize that when you're developing something that's trying to be decentralized and trying to break that paradigm, even the founders have very, very small allocations of it. So the other thing to think about Ethereum is its price is going up a lot, probably in speculation of that new London launch. But if you think about how many industries can be disrupted by it, you start to think like longer term. Primarily at the moment it's DeFi, so I guess it's like banking and auditing industry, which is each year there's three trillion dollars of revenue in th those industries. So if Ethereum captured just one percent of that, it would be priced around forty thousand per ether at the current rates. You know, so you think about DeFi as being massive in a bubble, but it's actually still kind of tiny and just random rich people playing around, right? In terms of other areas where it's going to disrupt, you've got financial institutions, where if you look at all banks, their market cap's $7.3 trillion. The top 10 banks is $2.3 trillion. You know, I think Ethereum is at a position where whilst it's big and whilst it's second fiddle to Bitcoin, if it really does meet the long-term goal of what it's trying to do and become the infrastructure for banking, for insurance, for potentially venture capital, if with the model of ICOs and stuff, I think it has a chance to dent all of these different players. So it could be worth a lot, not just as a store of value, but actually as a, as a, as a platform itself. Hmm. When earlier this week I was buying my MeBit, foolishly, um, I was also spending stupid amounts of money on gas to uh, shuttle tokens backs and forwards and wrap wrap ether and and so on and uh, i thought all of as i was doing all these transactions gosh you know and this is just part of open sea and this is just mm. part of you know i've not even been on nifty gateway and the amount of volume that must be driven just by nba top shots alone on the ethereum on the ethereum blockchain and we're only at the beginning of nfts now maybe nfts is a craze but as you say there is all this volume that is much more than surface ethereum this is um you know it's layer two and three ethereum visa are going to be using it to settle usdc payments say ethereum protocols that are interested in insurance start to take hold you know biggest insurance firm is like berkshire hathaway right but the top 10 insurance companies is like 900 billion globally so once you start adding up all of these, a thin performance improvement of just automating things through smart contracts on an Ethereum blockchain can really start to eat into all of those different areas and automate probably a lot of stuff that's just handled by people or emails or backend dated systems that are just trying to process loans or insurance policies or transactions or whatever it might be. You may have paid a lot in fees, but you didn't have to email anyone or do anything weird through various intermediaries to get your MeBit, right? 
you had a wallet, you paid to an address, and you magically got this funny 3D digital token assigned to your wallet. That's quite impressive if you think about all the things that displaced to do that versus a conventional marketplace for, for goods. So I think there's a lot still left in Ethereum, long term. At some point, we should talk about governance, but um, not now. So um, I, I guess we could talk about Dogecoin or or not. I don't know. So people out there have Dogecoin. What would you tell them should be their short-term, mid-term and long-term thesis for Dogecoin? Yeah, well, I've got no idea. I think when I look at Dogecoin, what I realize is that much like everything that we feared, the worst of the stock market, there may be no fundamentals and perhaps all it is is people jumping on a thing that makes the price go up and there's no reason why it shouldn't be dogecoin i mean it's a fork of bitcoin and it's a test net for a lot of things and it's got an appealing meme based origin and character and face and so who doesn't like that and why couldn't it be the the bitcoin you know whatever that is of tomorrow originally it kind of looked like flash in the pan but then What's weird is we seem to be moving into a meme-based culture. So the internetification of society has allowed us to come to a place where, you know, it's, it's Wall Street bets and it's Robin Hood and it's, it's a storming of the capital and it's, it's meme coin. Yeah, so what should you do? Uh, well, this week has been a great week for you, Dogers. Well done, jammy Dogers. Um, <laughs> should you hold on or should you relinquish? At this point in the crypto cycle, you often find a kind of mania sets in just before just before the the end of the bull run. So, you know, it could be that seeing Doge go in a three month period. Actually, let's just zoom to one month. In a one one month period, going from six cents up to sixty six cents. You know, just take a deep breath and ask yourself, have I seen enough gains? Should I maybe transfer out now into into something that I just feel more comfortable with? Or have I got the right amount in Doge? Because there is a place in life for levity and for whimsy. And, 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 and memes are taking a, a greater and greater importance in our lives. And, and here is Doge. You hear that on TikTok all the time from people. Levity and whimsy, that's what they're going for. <laughs> Incidentally, you talked about the crypto cycle. The crypto cycle is four years in length, which... You make this stuff up. You know. It fits in. No, it, you can measure it if you want. Um, it cycles in four years because Bitcoin's halvening is in four years. Dogecoin doesn't have the same... It's the same fork of the original code, but it doesn't have a finite fixed cap. I don't think it has the same halvenings as Bitcoin. I think Dogecoin's crypto cycle lasts until Elon Musk goes on SNL, which when people listen to this would have happened. Doesn't have a increasing difficulty. Doesn't have a cap. Doesn't have a halvening. What, so it's got an infinite number? Yes. It's a meme coin. It's got no difficulty of ever becoming more difficult to mime. It was designed to make it super, super cheap because Bitcoin was deemed as being too expensive by the two people from IBM who made it. They made it as a joke. It's a great joke. I love it, actually, from the concept of it being perpetually cheap and hilarious and you can send people loads of Dogecoin. I find it unnerving as something where people genuinely think it has valuable properties. So hold on. Because it doesn't... Infinity number of it, and each one is worth 66 cents, its market cap must be enormous. 
It's undiluted potential market cap. Yes, because there's more and more it's, keeps coming out. Well, no, it I doesn't mean, it's, have its market cap must be infinity. No, it has an initial cap, but it doesn't have a fixed limit. The way Bitcoin has twenty-one million. Right, but you can always mine more of it, and it doesn't get harder to mine. I don't think so. I mean, maybe it has a difficulty thing that fluctuates based on miner capacity, which would make sense because you the same way Bitcoin does. But the halvening isn't about difficulty. It's about how much the rewards are. So yeah. it's halves the rewards, right? Mm. The block reward is still 10,000 Dogecoins. Who knows? No one knows, Jonathan. And that's why I want to ask you about something happened today, which is that Definity launched. Definity had its Mercury launch event, which is essentially the launch on their main net of the big, highly awaited governance layer, which they have the, the most bizarre name for it, of the network nervous system. So Definity, for those that don't know, refers to itself as the Internet Computer. Their token is ICP, Internet Computer Protocol. It's not live yet. You can't trade it. And it was founded by the computer scientist or chief scientist, Dominic Williams. I think it's weird because Definity has a lot of, it talks itself up a lot, been in incubation for many, many years. They use really weird, bold and well-marketed terms like the Internet Computer and the Network Nervous System and you know, all these things that they claim make them the third generation blockchain, thereby, you know, if Bitcoin's generation one and Ethereum's generation two, then this is somehow the third one, which is faster, better, quicker, all of the rest. But I'm not convinced. I watched their launch, lots of big words, very technically deep for something that's meant to be their like launch call. But really, they're famous because they have such deep pocketed investors. So they raised 102 million from Andreessen Horowitz's group, the uh, what they called A16Z, mm. and Polychain Capital, um, in their in their most recent round. They previously also invested 61 million when they first started. So this has got a lot of venture capital behind it, and a lot of those same people, you know, promoting it because it's their big their big bet to take on the Ethereum's and the Cardano's and all of the other ones that are out there. My um, my takeaway from it at the moment is that they use a lot of big words, make a lot of big claims, and all of their big claims are based on the basis that they've made so many breakthroughs, like random beacons, probabilistic slot consensus, advanced consensus mechanisms, network nervous system, blah, 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 all this other stuff. But you have to wonder that being the best and being the new kid on the block aren't that useful in crypto the way they are in like the normal Silicon Valley stuff. Because if you don't have a reputation and you haven't proven that your thing is secure and safe and works for years on years and years, you're not going to accrue value because people don't want to put all of their development time, their money, everything else on something that's just new, has a big game, a nice website, but hasn't been around for very long. So I'm holding out. I think maybe give it five years and if it's everything they say it could be an absolutely incredible thing that rivals the likes of aws and you know microsoft azure and all of the other things because they're look they're really going for we've built a computer a blockchain computer on the internet like everything from replacing icann's certificate authority through to authentication through to subnets and running these things in they call canisters which is basically all your different apps that they're running. They've got a whole new set of terminology for everything they're building. A canister's container. 
I don't know. I think they've just gone and renamed a load of things that people currently understand in normal cloud computing world, and they've renamed it for their own purposes, which makes me worry that the whole thing is just marketing with lots of technical jargon. But who knows? I will wait and see. It might be a game changer, but I'm going to wait until it's stood up and got some real weight behind it in a few years' time. What's Definity's coin called? ICP, Internet Computer Protocol. Good. Well, I always look to the Bank of England's governor for my financial advice. What's the Bank of England's governor saying about crypto? He warned everyone today, be careful if you're investing in crypto because you might lose all your money because he's afraid that they have no intrinsic value. That's not to say that some people don't put value on them because they can have an extrinsic value, but they have no intrinsic value. So he's very clear about that. It's just weird that coming from someone who runs the Bank of England. Is it weird? Yeah, because everyone in that sphere talks about intrinsic value as if they know what that actually means. But with the exception of maybe like a shelter over your head and food that you eat, intrinsic value is a very difficult thing to define. Like what actually makes the pound have intrinsic value? I would argue, according to him, it has extrinsic value. People can place a value on it, but it doesn't have intrinsic value. It's just just a nonsense thing that people throw around hoping to make people feel inferior that they don't have the economic knowledge that they have. But actually, just it's nonsense. Very good. I've got a pound coin on the um, sideboard. It's got extrinsic value in the sense that... No, it's got intrinsic value in the sense that you can use it. It's not... It's one of those old ones that's no longer in circulation, so it won't be accepted. (laughs) Do you know the one I mean? It doesn't have the two-tone... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, but I wasn't yeah, quick I enough. I think it was, like, down the side of a... I don't know where I found it. Oh, no, I don't know where I found it. It was in my collection of change. Every now and again, I'll take to Metrobank and put in the machine. But you find a better use for it. Money. Yeah, you can use it in some places. If you want to get the luggage trolley out or supermarket trolley out, you have to put a pound coin in. You can use it for that. Uh, I'm sure they've changed those to only use the new pound coins, no? Mm, Not well, the new where you pound shop. coins are the same diameter, right? Oh, so the only place this coin won't work is a machine that checks the uh, metal. Beca- oh, that checks the weight. So the weight's different, right? Ah, yeah. uh, okay. So it still works for trolleys. That's good. Yeah, still work for trolleys. Yeah, and you don't need to worry about putting your trolley back and getting your pound back because your pound has no intrinsic value. No, it has an intrinsic value. <laughs> oh, sorry. I think you've, you're upsetting me. I'm so confused. It's it's time for shitcoin or fake coin. I'm so excited. You can go first. Oh, really? Thank you. Is this because you're about to blow me out of the water with your carefully prepared tailored I'm not. I'm not prepared this week, unfortunately. All right. Okay, so... Yeah. Okay, so my first one is, is Celery Coin. C-E-L-Y. Okay. Yeah. So Celery Coin, good thing about this is for, for mainly for remittances. And it's one of the first ones that we're going to come across that's built on top of Solana. Ah, so okay. Sam Bankman-Fried, um, FTX, Almeida Research, all of that. So you know that Solana Serum's built on top of that. Um, and it's beginning to get a bit more DeFi uh, traction, Solana is. But it's it's a bit of a pain because you have to like. Um, so it's built. You can't on... you can't just switch mainnets. You can't just switch over to BSC. You have to have a very different wallet if you want to be on Solana. So is Celery Coin actually just a token? It's a token on the Solana network. Yeah. 
used for remittances. So it has yeah, a value right. of a dollar or it has yeah, a completely so, fluid um, value? It's no, it's um yeah, so it rebalances its value. Um and so a few things about it. Uh, it's it's the core utility reserve staking and governance asset for the platform. And uh, it, it aims to make, the platform aims to make financial tools borderless. Another thing that it has as a sort of side offshoot is Celery Tasks, um, a marketplace for small tasks, a bit like Fiverr or equivalent. Does Celery have offshoots? Yeah, I'm glad you're raising that. Urban and now question. my next coin. Right. Now for my next coin, which is Daft Coin. <laughs> okay. D A F T. Okay. <laughs> so if you can imagine a coin where every time you do a transaction, it, there's a transaction fee of between 1% to 10%, and then 75% of each transaction fee goes to all the holders. Um, and all the information of all everyone who holds the, the coin is... Um, published yeah no no that's yeah that's right so that's it basically that's what it is daft coin and it's on it's on bsc i mean it sounds incredibly fake and i don't understand what's the incentive to spend it well sometimes you just need to spend it you know to spend your daft coin yeah you've you've gone to great lengths to make celery coin seem like it's legit and that Daft Coin. I've got more things to say about Daft Coin. Please, yeah, convince me. You need you to convince could, me on this one. You could use it in staking. Okay. <laughs> and they didn't. They didn't do. They didn't. They didn't do an ICO or a pre-sale or fundraising. So how do you get it? You just go on to. You probably go on to Pancake Swap. If you've got enough pickles, you can get on the Pancake Swap. Um, th- pour over some syrup and get into the farms and this thing's, uh, this thing's splash fake. out on some. No, no, you just get your daft. You probably need to do the daft BNB if you get that sort of. You stake it and then you come out of the pool and then go back into the farm. Oh my god! Then you'll get. <laughs> you've, yeah? you've gone to great lengths to make it seem like this one is definitely fake, but I think you're trying to call my bluff. So I'm going to say Daft Coin is a fake coin, and Celery Coin is a shit coin. Jonathan Tipper, Celery Coin is a fake coin. Oh, Daft Coin is a shit coin. I'm so annoyed at myself. I fell for your your double bluff. And Daft's really going up in value now. So um, check it out. Check I, it out. I won't. Um, that's really disappointing. I okay. I'll do my two. That's that's cut me deep. I should have I should have known your tactics. So I'm just spinning a web. It's just like nothing could make that coin I, seem no, real. Because as I could I thought, see, you were about to climb out. I had to churn the butter some more. Whatever. That's um, celery coin sounds great if it was real. Um, so. First Do you one. Know what I did with celery tasks. It's a it's a it's a reference to some kind of coding thing. 
Oh, I missed that. I was thinking about actually like eating celery. Yeah. Um, I, knew <laughs> I got very distracted. So the first one is called Bible Pay Coin. Yeah. Its short code is BBP. Yeah. And I mean, this is, this is a coin for Christians. Um, it runs using proof of work. Go on. It with with every ten percent of all mined coins go to charity. Yes, it's a tithing system. Keep mm-hmm. going. And with um, so every time you mine new blocks, the the blocks come pre-populated with verses from the King James Bible. Definition. Um, yeah. So the yeah good. Um, also allows staking. Um, and is this a pun? Is that a pun? No. Okay. It, but it also does allow um, prayers and um, NFTs. And according to the founders, it also includes a lot of Christian resources that are built on a decentralized network for the end of times. Yeah. So... Bible pay coin. Right. Thank you for that. Coin What's for the Christians. Next one, please. Um, Not just for Christians. Keep going. That's what they call it. The next one is Shabbat coin, which code is seven day. And this one's really interesting. This one's a proof of work currency, but it doesn't run on Saturdays. So I hate you, you. still. I hate you. I'm serious. serious. No. You still have to mine it, no. but the network no. stops. It actually stops no. on Saturdays, no. midnight to midnight. What what time zone? Uh, UTC plus two. Because that's, that's where Jerusalem that, is. Yeah. That's okay. That's Carry on. Why. I'll answer the questions um, for you with made up answers. And it's uh, how does that even work? How would that even work? So I'm mining it in Ulaanbaatar, which is UTC plus, um, UTC minus seven, right? Um, so when it hits UTC minus plus two, what, what, hold on, UTC plus two isn't, isn't Jerusalem. It's something like, um, it's just west of the Azores. Azores. That's it. Yeah, That's when, what it's. Midnight to midnight UTC plus two. So Google it. Um, that That's what they say. So Saturdays, midnight to midnight, UTC plus two. Yeah, and the so my stops. server would look at the, when is it, um, when is, am I supposed to stop mining? And it'll mm. just stop mining and it it'll will stop. behave itself. And then all of the miners will just turn off universally mm-hmm. and then because they have rest and then they'll turn back on. It's, um, it's genius. Hold on. Did you know that Shabbat is actually on Friday? Is it? Yeah. Oh. Well, it starts on Friday. Yeah, so... I don't know. What What are the arrangements for Passover? For I haven't... <laughs> I haven't queried it. Like, this is how it it's works. It's not been properly thought through. Because there'll be a whole period when... Um, about a week when um, all the mining would stop. So how would you do transactions? Also, how do transactions work on during... <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to go to the site. There isn't one, is there? 
you can google it if you don't well you can google well, it i'm not going to because that's um, against the spirit of the game isn't it <laughs> yeah. if this is a game i'm gonna call it okay so that is the oh god this is painful because actually that might be the real one hold on <laughs> hold on hold on so the first one was the bible coin and it sounded the first legit. one was bible pay coin yeah and what could i do with it proof of work fine uh, proof it, of work stake prayers staking when you said prayers what did you mean by that I could use it to pray. You didn't mean Did, no like, dig, digital digital prayers. Um, no, what does that mean? It's un- unclear. Right. NFTs, um, Bible verses. You're just saying and... other words now. <laughs> I'm I'm completely serious. Um, okay. Yeah. So look, I guess I just have to bring this to a close. Um, it's the the what's it called? This. Uh, Shabbat coin. Shabbat coin. Yeah. Shabbat coin is a fake coin and the Bible coin is the shit coin. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. You're going to have to Google it, but you're right. Such a rolling waves of relief. Rolling, rolling waves. I thought thought I'd got you. Yeah, but the time zone messed you up. UTC plus two is actually Jerusalem. It's plus three during um, British summertime. Wait, plus two. So oh, during because they're there first. Yeah. So you plus the two. Yeah, it was difficult course. to construct yeah. this. I'm not fluent in all things in Judaism, unfortunately. I would have consulted Yunan Sasir, but that would have given away the game. <laughs> so um, it's a cool idea, though. I actually think one of these things does exist. By the way, I've not practical an original why... one. It's difficult to observe religious holidays in the process of mining, especially when those religious holidays are longer than... Well, also, they they occur at different times, depending on the liturgical calendar. So, okay, well, anyway, that's been really good. And um, <laughs> I am happy that I won twice, uh, both I'm, by I'm you gutted. losing and by me winning. So that's terrific. That's we'll how we're we'll not keeping score. Um, so that's fine. I should have guessed differently. Um, that's all right. Don't beat yourself up. I already have. So, um, would it be a, a different jingle playing us out as well? First of all, I think it's called a jiggle. And second of all, I don't know what you mean because there's nothing has changed. It's always been like this. Good. Very Let's good. keep it that way. Um, good pod. Excellent Speak to you next pod. week. <laughs> next week. Thank you, Jonathan. Started during lockdown. Needed something to Talking to you, and so from a garden shed in a box room.